0: Aren't you glad I'm here? What? Oh, orange. Are you glad I'm here? Okay. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, that sounds like when he got from John. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're glad you're here this morning, and uh, love that great song, "New Name Written Down in Glory." And I hope your name's written down in glory. And if it is, you're glad, aren't you? And uh, if you have your Bible this morning, I invite you to turn to Psalm 95, and uh, and we're uh, getting into cooler temperatures and into the fall season, and that means uh, the fall weather harvest time, and the time of uh, where we... It uh, means uh, Thanksgiving time is uh, just around the corner. Uh, when we think about uh, thanks and thankful- thankfulness. Uh, and so over the next few weeks, we're gonna, that's what we're going to talk about uh, is thankfulness. And there's something that should characterize the people of God. It is thankfulness. Uh, we sang uh, this morning the song, Count Your Many Blessings. Uh, and that's one of uh, my favorite songs. And of course, count your many blessings, uh, name them one by one, and it might su- surprise you to uh, see what the Lord has done. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, you know, we think that, man, we've got a lot of problems. You know, Satan will try to get you to concentrate on what's wrong in your life and on what your struggles are you see, when you concentrate on what's wrong and what your struggles are, you're going to get discouraged, and you're going to get defeated. But can I tell you something? If you'll concentrate on who God is, and the fact that you belong to Him, and how blessed you are to be a child of the Almighty King, and that... He is the Lord of your life, and no matter what's going on in your life and in your world, He's there. All those things all of a sudden don't seem so big anymore. Are they still there? Listen, anybody that tells you that serving God is a cakewalk, and that if you really are doing what God wants you to, you don't have any problems is a liar. Because serving God means sometimes your problems get worse. And sometimes when you're trying to walk with God, the road of life gets harder. Just ask Job. For as you read the book of Job, the introduction to the book of Job says, Job was a righteous and upright man that honored and feared God. And yet, in fact, God said to, to Satan, he said, Have you considered my servant Job is more upright than all other people on earth? That's a pretty good compliment, isn't it? And yet, Job had some trouble come into his life. And so, what's the answer, Preacher? How do we make it through this life? And how is it that we find, uh, as we talked about uh, the last four weeks, how do we find God's purpose and plan for our life? And how do we be uh, the person and church that God wants us to be? And how do we get on the path that God wants us to be? And the secret is this. We praise Him. We don't let the devil control our life. We keep our eyes focused on Jesus and we follow God's path. And God's path is filled with praise. Because when we're praising God, our eyes are focused on Him. And when we're focused on Him, we're walking down the path that He has set before us. And so let's take a look at Psalm 95. It simply says this Oh, come. Let us sing to the Lord, let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come and let us worship and bow down, and let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are uh, the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as is in the rebellion. As in the day of trial in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my work. For forty years I was grieved with that generation, and said, as a people who go astray in their hearts, and they don't know my ways. So I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter my rest." Unlike a lot of psalms, we don't know who wrote this psalm. And we don't know the exact occasion that this psalm was written. But we know the message of this psalm. The messages of this psalm is that God's people are a people that praise the Lord. That God's people understand that our God is worthy of our praise. And He alone is worthy of our praise. There's a lot of, not just in the book of Psalms, and you understand that the the book of Psalms, these 150 uh, psalms that we call the book of Psalms, were Israel's hymn book. And they were collected over many, many years and written by many, many different uh, people. Some by King David himself. Some by uh, worship leaders in the synagogue. Some by uh, other uh, people that were uh, worship leaders. Some by other kings. Uh, Moses wrote at least one. And they're not arranged, and some people say, well, they're arranged in chronological order. They're not. Uh, And they're not even arranged by authors. They're, They're divided up into five different books. And yet, this hymn book is so full of praise, and yet, as you read the Old Testament, as you read the New Testament... The Bible from Genesis all the way through Revelation is full of God's people praising God. There are countless admonitions, commands to praise God. There are lots and lots of examples of God's people praising God. God why because he alone is worthy of our praise because he alone is our sustainer and provider he alone is our creator he alone is God Almighty he alone is the great I am He alone is the one that not only created us, but He sustains us. He alone is the one that saved us, but He also not just saves us, but uses us. And not only uses us, but provides for us. And so that's what I want us to see today, is that we have a lot of reasons to praise God. And so let's talk about three of them this morning. The first is this, that we should praise God because He is our rock. It's interesting the imagery of rock that the psalm, psalmist uses. The psalmist actually uses the image of rock in the beginning and in the end of this psalm. And it's used in a good way and in, as a... Kind of a bad way. But God is the rock in both instances. And you'll see why. In, both. It, in the beginning, it's used as a rock. And it often means, it's used as a, an image of salvation and protection. And by the way, that's what God desires to be. King David understood and said in one of the psalms that he penned, he said, God is our refuge. Uh, And another way that that term refuge could be translated from that Hebrew word could be God is our rock. He's our protector. He's that place that provides and protects us when when things get rough. He is our sustainer. He's the one that we go to When times get rough. He's the one that created us. He's the one from whom we exist. And not only us, but everything that we see exists. The Israelites understood that God created out of nothing everything that we see, including us including the earth, including the waters, including the sky, including the stars, including everything. Now, they didn't understand all about the universe that we understand today and how, you know, you just think about this universe. Just our galaxy. Just this Milky Way galaxy that we find ourselves in. And you you were to study the stars and think for a minute about how if the earth was just a mile closer to the sun it would burn up and none of us would be here and if it was a mile further away from the sun it would be frozen And again, none of us would be here. But it's just positioned just exactly right. Some say just by coincidence. We're just exactly in the right place and tilted in just exactly the right place and spinning in just the right way And rotating around this giant gaseous thing called the sun in just the right way that life exists. Just by chance. It wasn't just by chance. Is because that magnificent, all powerful God created it that way. And there's some that say, well, it just happened by accident. Because the world was just a bunch of goo that was out there, and all of a sudden, a big explosion happened, and all of a sudden, order just came out of all this chaos. Well, when was the last time that order came out of chaos? It doesn't happen. The only thing that comes out of chaos is more chaos. If there's order, the only way order can come is because somebody created it. If there's order, it has to be because somebody created it. And we understand, and the psalmist understood, that this rock, God Almighty, fashioned this world and fashioned us, as King David said in one of the Psalms, fearfully and wonderfully together. And simply because of that, we should praise Him. Because He created us. Not only because He created us, but because He shelters us. You see, some will acknowledge, yeah, okay, God created us. They say, yeah, okay, because there is this order in this fast universe, something did have to create it. So there was this being, but then he created it and then he just vanished. Well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense either. And it's certainly not the God that's revealed in the Bible. For the... The psalmist says, you know what? God knows us. And He's involved with us. And He desires this relationship with us. He's a great God. He is a great King. He's above every other God. His hand is above every deep place of the earth. He, even, he made the sea. He made the dry land. He is our God. He's our rock. He is our source of protection. He is our source of existence. But then secondly... The psalmist says, you know what? You need to praise Him, Israel, because He is our Redeemer. Now understand, the psalmist didn't understand fully how God would become the Redeemer of the people. But he did understand that God did care for His people. Because He cared for His people mentions that in verse 7. He said He's our God and we're His people. We're His sheep. If we hear His voice. And then He uses this example and this is where the And now the bad analogy of the rock comes in. He says, you know what? There was a a rock in the wilderness where the people hardened their hearts. And they didn't believe. And they were bitter. and I had provided for them and instead of calling out to me remember they struck a rock now that rock remember what came bitter water god took care of the people even though they had turned their back on him He sustained them even though they were wandering around in the desert. He fed them. He led them. He continued to call out to them and and give them opportunity to come back to Him. And yet, time and time and time again, they rejected Him. And so the psalmist is calling to us saying, Listen, do not repeat the mistakes of your forefathers that rejected the redemption that God offered. Don't do that. Instead, trust Don't harden your heart. Instead, you be pliable. Instead, you surrender. Instead, you praise. Instead, you bow down. You worship God. You praise God. Because you see, rebellion is the opposite of the actions that are called for in verse 6. The three actions that are called for in verse 6 are the opposite of the actions that the children of Israel took in the wilderness. Really, they're all three actions of worship. They're three actions of humility. He said, Let us kneel down, let us come and worship, and let us bow down. And let us kneel before our God. The Lord, our Maker. Let us understand we need redemption. Let us understand that God loves us and that He will be our protector and that He will redeem us. But understand that in order for us to be redeemed, we have to first understand we need redemption. And so the psalmist is begging us not to repeat the mistake of the past. To say, listen, understand that God desires to redeem you. God desires to be your Redeemer. But then the third reason for us to praise God is because not only is He our rock, and not only is He our Redeemer, but lastly, He's our resourcer. He is the one that is able to give us all that we need. And in fact, not only is he able to give us all that we need, he even throws some of our wants in there just to show that he can and just to show that he loves us and that he cares for us. And so what should our response be? Because God does provide for us and cares for us. And redeems us and gives us what we need. In fact, Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew, Your father knows what you need before you even ask. And Jesus also said, Your father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God is able to provide every need that you have. The children of Israel understood this. And all through the Bible we find that, listen, our response, our natural response to living with God. And understanding who God is and what God has done for us. The natural response of counting our blessings is praising Him. And so, we, in verse 1, in fact, he gives us this command a few times in this psalm. He says, oh, come and let us sing before the Lord. And really, this admonition is not just a, hey, let us come and let us have a little, see how quietly and meekly we can move our mouth in church so that it looks like we're singing, but nobody can hear us but they think that we're singing because our lips are moving. No, the word is really, hey, let's shout so that the people that are in the next county can hear that God has done something in my life. It has the idea of making a joyful noise to the Lord. Saying, listen, I don't care if it's on in key or in tune. Because to the Lord, it's a joyful noise. And that's what the Lord cares about. And that's what we all should care about. The, the admonition is that we sing and that we praise God. That we shout joyfully. To this rock of our salvation. That we come before Him with thanksgiving. And by the way, notice that it didn't just say that we come at home. And you should thank Him when you're at home. But He says we come together as the assembly with thanksgiving. Even in the Old Testament... God understood and taught His people it was important that God's people gather together. Why? Because our praise that we lift up to God may just be some, the thing that helps somebody else that's going through a struggle. It may be the thing that helps encourage them to keep pushing on. It may be the momentum that helps somebody else. It encourages us. It encourages others. And so we need to have that. He says again in verse 6 Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. And so our praise is both individual, but it also needs to be corporate. And there are times when, yes, it should be quiet. But there are times when we ought to shout. And I think it's okay for Free Will Baptist to shout. And probably we ought to have a little more practice at it. Amen? Some of you, your vocal cords are going to give out, not from overuse, but from underuse. They're going to rust out because you don't use them. And I know because I hear you shouting about Alabama or Mississippi State or Ole Miss, and I tell you, if you can shout about a football team, you better shout a lot louder and a lot prouder about Jesus. I tell you, I guarantee you that Jesus has done a lot more for you than Nick Saban ever has. And there better be a big amen, Brother Bill, up on that screen. you got to figure out how to do There it is. Understand that. We need not be bashful about what God has done for us. Praise Him because He has done much for you. Have you got problems? You probably do. You pray about them. Trust God. But praise Him as well. Praise Him through the difficulties. And you'll find, just like the children of Israel did, Hey, listen, when they got through to the other side, when they did get to the promised land, they found God was still God and that God was faithful to them. Because there's something I can tell you about God is that He's faithful. And I tell you that the power that it took to make this world, God is still that powerful. And a God that loved you so much that caused Him to send His Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth and caused him to die on the cross of Calvary. He still has that same love for you and for me and for all the world. He still loves you. He still cares for you. And he still owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You praise him. You be a people of praise and you shout What God has done for you. Let's pray together. Lord we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. Lord if there's one here today. That doesn't know you in the free pardon of sin. God would you help them today. To surrender their life to you. Oh, what a great praise it would be for one for us to be able to sing yet again today a new name written down in glory. But Lord, maybe there's one here that's not where they ought to be with you. And maybe there's one their praise has been a little less than it should have been. And Lord, maybe their focus has been more on their problems than on the problem solver. Lord, this message has challenged them today to put their focus back on you. And today maybe they need to come to this old altar and they would need to surrender those problems to you and say, Lord, by faith I'm praising you. Lord, maybe I've got problems, but I've got a lot of blessings as well. And I've got a God that's the greatest problem solver that there's ever walked this earth. Lord, maybe it's just been a message of encouragement. I don't know, Lord. But however you've used this message, speak to our hearts, I pray. Help us to be obedient. Help us to be an obedient people. And Lord, help us to gather together and shout your praises. Because you have done great things for us. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Let's stand together.